I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Eurotrip, a very special brand new episode of the Eurotrip, because we are in the aftermath of the host city announcement for the Eurovision Song Contest of 2023. I'm James Rowe, and I'm not joined by the wonderful Rob Lilly, at least not yet, anyway. He's he's not arrived, so I thought we could uh, we could give him a call together to find out what's going on. Hi, James. How you doing? Hiya, Rob. Yeah, all good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Um, I hope you don't mind, but probably going to skip the podcast this week. Oh. I'm actually not not around. I'm in I'm in sunny Spain. I'm in Ooh, Viva España. Lovely. I'm in the home of Chanel. Kind of. <laughs> uh for the next few days. I'm I'm in I'm in Mallorca. I don't know nice. if you can hear the sea behind me. I'm having a lovely time. It's like 25 degrees. Very different to how I imagine things are back home. But yeah, if you don't mind, I've got a swimming pool and a sun lounger to get back to. But very excited to listen to this podcast. However, once, once you've worked your magic and, and put things together. Because I know that you've got lots of exciting people lined up to talk to. Mm-hmm. Very exciting that I now know that mine and yours next romantic liaison, perhaps, will be to Liverpool. Maybe we'll get a trip in between now and then. But me, you, the Mersey. It's got all the hallmarks of a re- very romantic few days on the northwest uh, coast, isn't it? So very excited about that. And I think Liverpool are going to be fantastic. I don't know about you, very, very excited about that. I'm going to have some Scouse and Chips. I don't even know what Scouse and Chips is. For a time in my life, I thought a Scouse was a type of small animal. So, um, yeah, going to have some Scouse and Chips. Hopefully when we're there, that'll be very nice, won't it? Anyway, I'll leave you to it. Um, yeah, I'm just having a lovely old time. Got some sangria on the go. Going to have a dip in the pool later on. Um, and maybe some tapas later. But yeah, I'll leave you to get on with this week's podcast. And I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Oh well, bye. See ya. Well, well, we didn't even get, we didn't even get a bye from Rob there. Anyway, as Rob said, uh, we do have lots of special guests to bring you. So let's get to it, shall we? On this brand new special episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, Alessandro always said, take it away. Hi, we are Dani Magnet, and you're listening to Eurotrip. But I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Berlin Festival, and, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, calm, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Well, (laughs) yeah, just me, James, this week as I bring you all the reaction to Friday's host city announcement for the Eurovision Song Contest of 2023. I think it's the first ever episode of the Eurotrip that's being released on a Sunday as well. I might be wrong. In fact, I've just said it and I know I'm wrong. So anyway, um, we now know that it is going to be Liverpool who will be hosting next year's Eurovision on behalf of Ukraine, of course, thanks to Graham Norton on the One Show on Friday night. He made the announcement to 
millions of us in the UK and I imagine millions of you watching from right across Europe and the world that it will be Liverpool, dubbed as the world capital of pop, hosting on Ukraine's behalf. It was originally a 20-city shortlist, then it got whittled down to seven, and then, of course, down to two. It was Liverpool and Glasgow. And we've got all the best possible reaction to the news. First of all, we'll be chatting to Councillor Harry Doyle. He's the assistant mayor of Liverpool. He was part of the city's bid to bring Eurovision to his city so we'll be chatting to him about what that process was like and what they've got up their sleeve to be hosting the contest next May. I'll also be chatting to a fan from the city to explain what it's actually like to now know that the contest we all know and love is going to be heading to his very own city. That's going to be Jamie McLaughlin. And also we'll get some reaction from Glasgow too. I'll be chatting to Elaine Scattermoon about what her reaction is like to finding out that Glasgow didn't make the list. So we've got all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So here we are then, a brand new episode of the Eurotrip, a bonus, an emergency episode, whatever you want to call it. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I know you're going to miss Rob. I know we had a little chat to him at the start but when we bring you regular episodes again and perhaps some more bonuses over the next few weeks and months you'll be back with me so rest assured but thank you for keeping me company and make sure you get in touch as well with uh, with any of your thoughts uh, about uh, the news and whatever you hear on today's episode we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. I'd love to hear what you think about Liverpool hosting the Eurovision Song Contest next year on behalf of Ukraine. It is very, very exciting, isn't it? It's it's been a long time coming. It's probably um, one of the longest waits we've had from last year's Eurovision or the Eurovision Song Contest earlier this year to finding out the next host city. Of course, that process was elongated because the EBU were exploring the possibilities of hosting it in Ukraine. And then they made an announcement in in June, wasn't it, uh, that they were uh, talking to the BBC about hosting. And then we had July when the BBC announced that they were going to host. Then we got the seven city shortlist in August. And then the shorter shortlist of just two, Liverpool and Glasgow, at the back end of September. And here we are in October. We are finally down to our one and only city, Liverpool, of course. And we've got loads of reaction to the news on today's episode. Let me just bring you this statement, though, uh, from the EBU and Martin Osterdahl, of course, the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. He says, Liverpool is the ideal place to host the 67th Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine. The city is synonymous with music and Liverpool Arena exceeds all the requirements needed to stage a global event of this scale. We have been very impressed, he says, with the passion the city has shown in embracing the contest and their inclusive ideas for placing last year's winners, Ukraine, front and centre when thousands of fans visit next May. This will be the first Eurovision Song Contest to be held in the UK in 25 years and as we work with our host broadcaster, the BBC, to celebrate Ukraine's victory, this unique production promises to be a very special one indeed. Yeah, absolutely right. 25 years, of course, it'll be next year since the UK last hosted and this year marks 25 years since the UK's last win and it feels very special that Sam Ryder brought home that second place result in Turin a little earlier this year. Now, we'll be getting all the reaction uh, later on from some fans, uh, one in Liverpool, of course, and one in Glasgow to find out what their reactions are. And also, I've got another special guest lined up who I'll bring to you very shortly. But first, shall we chat to somebody from Liverpool, somebody who was part of the Liverpool bid team, somebody who was working hard to bring Eurovision to Liverpool. He is Councillor Harry Doyle. He is the Assistant Mayor of Liverpool and he's with me now. Hey, Harry. Hi, James. Okay. I'm really good, thanks. Probably not as good as how you're feeling at the moment, but I I must um, address, I was going to say the elephant in the room. It's not so much an elephant in the room, but you're not in Liverpool at the moment, are you? (laughs) No, I am absolutely gutted. Um, I 
have had this planned holiday for such a like over well nearly two years and it couldn't be any um worse time really such a poor time and so i'm currently in the states i mean i'm in new york state um traveling over to niagara falls and um so i heard the news i was actually sat in an interstate in an interstate um service station when i found out the news and i just burst off crying <laughs> i was absolutely delighted so we, we knew just beforehand obviously I was on the phone to Claire McCoggan, our, our director of culture, and um, uh, uh, people around me. I mean, I, I, I had to keep everything under wraps because obviously, even though there's all Americans around me, um, still it was all, all embargoed. So she was on the phone to me and she said, you know, yes. And I just had to sort of go stone face, but then I was crying. And I had to see some Americans <laughs> sort of looking over, thinking, is he okay? Um, <laughs> so it's very very strange but no so i am not currently Liverpool. i'm absolutely gutted because i know i've spoke to so many people online over the phone my phone's just been going like mad oh i bet i bet the the question that's probably on everybody's lips right now is a short and simple one really uh, how did you do it how did you how did you get Eurovision <laughs> to come to liverpool oh my goodness um so a lot a lot a lot of hard work and and um collaboration with people it's been um genuinely it's been a team liverpool effort and i say that in the most widest of senses because um yes our culture liverpool is an award-winning team um and and we are, i've got every faith in in, in that team you know, we delivered the events research program to show you know, the world how to come out of covid and 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 the city itself just sells itself um you know i don't have to say much i'm walking around at the moment with um, a, a top with puffins, uh, which I bought from Iceland, um, <laughs> country that is, and it's like in the shape of Abbey Road, the Beatles, and all the Americans like Beatles, 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 and Liverpool sells itself completely. Um, but just how how the whole city came around us, so, you know, from from the airport, the arena, all, all the local businesses were fully behind us. You know, all the the, the media, um, but most importantly, the people um, in the city as well. Um, and then, of course, our link with with Odessa um, and, and that backing of, of Odessa, uh, the city in, in Ukraine, south of Ukraine, a fellow port city. Um, and, and from the very, very beginning, and, and I was actually getting a bit emotional last night, I was going back over texts with them, um, uh, with, with, with Claire McCall, I'm going to say she's our director of culture. When we found out, when the announcement was made about um, that the UK would be hosting on behalf of Ukraine, we're just like we've we've got to do this you know we've got to put ourselves forward we've got to put the city forward um to do it for, for Odessa. What's this process been like for for you and the rest of the team you mentioned it was a team effort of course what have you had to do to effectively prove that Liverpool was capable of hosting the event? Well so again it, it, it's it's that partnership work so you know, showing, for example, when we had the BBC and the EBU come to visit the city as part of the, you know, the, the judging process. Um, so I, I, I was there with them, and, and we took them on a tour of the city, uh, sort of city centre, the arena, um, and sort of highlights. And um, they could see the partnership work there already. So we had the, you know, the the police there. Uh, you know, we had someone from the airport there, someone from the arena there, there was someone from uh, local businesses in terms of represent- representation. Um, and, you know, and of course, we've we've had one of our local um, one of local priests is actually uh, Ukrainian. Um, and so he's been a huge advocate for us. And we've got a Ukrainian help group um, in the city as well, who, which, you know, they've just been extremely excited about it. So, um I think in terms of what we had to prove, I think we've already got one of the one of the the judging the sort of um, well one thing we had to sort of put in, in the application was what events have we delivered you know large scale events have we delivered in, you know in the last couple of years and of course we have as a city delivered quite a few large scale events I mean this is huge for us as obviously this is this is this is huge but um, in terms of that crowd management then you know of course we've got two major football teams Liverpool of course the, the big one that we're worldwide um, is known worldwide the you know the um, events like the Giants which the city I, I hope when people can visit the city people will tell 
uh, story to the Giants because it's such a big thing for us. Um, so that idea of crowd management, but of course mentioned before um, about the event research programme, the government actually chose Liverpool because they know that our events team is award-winning um, and, and they knew that we could deliver something for them um, that, that could be a success, but also, as I say, showed the world how to come out of the pandemic and, and deliver events again. And of course, it was Liverpool that actually started the mass testing as well. So we've just got the infrastructure, the the, the teamwork, um, the real sort of collaboration with 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 partners and, and and the city in general. So I think all of that has played in our favour. Did you think all along it was going to be possible? Because I think from the outset, Glasgow were the favourites with the bookies. I think a lot of fans were on Glasgow's side as well. Did you sort of lose hope at any point or were you always fully focused on the fact that it was possible? I I genuinely thought it was possible. I did. You're right. Obviously, the bookies' favourite was Glasgow. It was, it was all. I mean, Glasgow is an amazing. I love Glasgow. I genuinely love Glasgow and can't wait to go back. Um, and um, we're actually as cities, we're very similar. You know, we're both uh, port cities. We're both um, you know, yes, in the city of music. You know, we're both we've both had capital culture. I think the vibe is pretty similar as well. Certainly, when I visited Glasgow, um. And so we, we, you know, we've got those similarities. Um, but I genuinely had every hope until I've got to say the yesterday <laughs> uh, when we found out, you know, just sort of that that nerve and 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 the, and the oh, I mean, they're all over the place, you know, wondering is is it us? And you know, I was having doubts um, because Glasgow, of course, we're we're the favourites. But um, but no, I genuinely had every faith because I, you know, I think for us, we we as I say we focus on the offset. Um, this isn't about us, actually. It's not about Liverpool, and I really can't underestimate the the feeling in the city as well. That you know, when when the war started in Ukraine, how people in the city rallied, as they did in other cities as well. But I, I, our city really rallied behind, um, you know, campaigns to, to to support you know people fleeing the country and going to Poland. You know, sending lots and lots of support over. Um, and so that that feeling and, and wanting to do this for them was huge. And I think that that ultimately shone through. So, yeah, I think I had every faith that we could do it. And and, and we have. <laughs> <laughs> How important is that relationship going to be? You mentioned your Liverpool sister city of Odessa in Ukraine. How important is that partnership collaboration going to be over the next few months as you prepare to host Eurovision on their behalf? Well, I mean, this isn't our party, and, and Sam Ryder said it, you know, early on, it's, it's their party, it's just happening in our house, and, at, you know, no one could have put it anywhere perfectly, he summed that up perfectly. You know, we, we've got, we, we had the mayor of, of Odessa um, release a statement yesterday, just after the announcements as well, um, but we've got that, the partnership work already planned in, so for example, um, we come up to the Easter term, we've got the egg, um, and sort of the, the Ukrainian egg symbol and you're know, going around the city we've got um a, lots of artists exchange plans as well uh, with the city of Odessa so um there's lots of of planned activity that's just some at the moment um there's lots of planned activity to actually basically represent and and, and bring Ukrainian culture to our city so there's going to be a lot on show then quite clearly from a, from a Ukrainian culture perspective but I imagine, are you going to be pushing for some for some Liverpool culture in there as well? I imagine we're not going to hear the end of Sonia and the Beatles, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I should say. <laughs> I mean, of course, listen, I mean, people will be in Liverpool. Uh, of course, we want them to, you know, we, this is a chance to also showcase our city, but with, with the emphasis, as I say, for, for us, the emphasis is on that relationship with, with Ukraine um, from from the offset. Of course, people will be in the city. There is this idea, and I remember <laughs> floating the idea as a bit of a joke, actually, and, and it sort of transpired that these cardboard cutouts of, of Sonia around the city are going to be um, <laughs> hugely popular. So um, um, that's, um, yeah, we, we, like our, we like our sort of quirky, unique sort of uh, ideas. The city sells itself. When people are here, they'll see. Um, everything around them. It's a beautiful city. Um, you know the the Beatles statue right on the waterfront by the what we plan to be the Euro Village. Um, so it, it's going to be all 
around people, but there's so much to do as well. And and I think again, people will feel that Ukrainian um message and culture around well, we've got all the, the cultural organizations on board, but also the businesses. They they genuinely feel it as well. So um expect to see plenty of flags. <laughs> <laughs> I can well imagine. Um just a quick one on the the residents in Liverpool and the wider area because I know when whenever Eurovision gets discussed and a host city is decided and that sort of thing there's always loads of discussion about the finances and whether it's actually worth it for a city or a, or a country. And we don't know the exact figures and we probably won't for, for a long time. But do you think residents are on board with the idea that, they're, that they're, their money, effectively, isn't it, that is going to be spent on the event? 100%. Yeah, of course, this is, this is public public money. Um, You know, actually, it's, it's a, a... Whilst I can't at this very moment release... What, are, what what we put in the bid because we're still technically on the end of the day, I think until Monday. Um, you know, it it's 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 a it's a smallish amount. Um it's it's not what people are, are going to be expecting, I don't think. Um but you're absolutely right. Um overall if you just look at the messages online and you look at the the threads and um you know some of the news outlets, you know, the comments on Facebook, Twitter, etc. Um People are just over the moon. Residents are over the moon. I had lots of my residents contact me from from Yash, you know, last night. Um, all just buzzing and made up. We we had the school, Yash Primary School as well. They, they have a deaf resource base, and they 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 actually signed along to Imagine by John Lennon um, as part of. Uh, they wanted to support the bid. So there's been the genuine community sort of spirit and effort in it. Um, and absolutely, there'll, there'll be questions about about the finance, and we'll be completely open and transparent about what that is. But um, you know, there are. The country is going through really tough times as well, and and austerity is is still you know, felt in 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 our city. Um, but you've got to remember that you know we're not just a, a city and a, and a council to live for statutory service. We do uh, we are here to represent the city um, and businesses as well who are also going through really tough times. This is going to be huge for them. You know we've estimated a sixteen to eighteen million pounds economic impact. Um, just in the in in the week that you're very and the weeks that you're originally here, um, you know, hotels are already fully booked up, um, practically, um, and so so that economic impact is is huge for the city, but also more importantly, the um, five years preceding um, the the actual event itself, when we looked at the last ten years of in-person Eurovision data. It's actually like a five to fifteen percent increase in fiscal numbers over five years. So for us, that is that is huge. So the economic impact for us completely far outweighs, um, you know, what we're actually going to be putting in. I wonder, can we do a um, can we do a ballot for your spare room? I know, I know you said the uh, the <laughs> hotels are starting to get booked up. Is that a concern? I don't know. Is that does that show people are, are really excited to get there? I mean, obviously, it's great. I mean, we. we... <laughs> We've even had, you know, restaurants tell us that they've started getting bookings. <laughs> so it's, it's just amazing. Um, obviously, um, you've got to remember that we're a small city, very walkable. Um, and we've got all of our close neighbours around us. So like, you know, on the Wirral, you've got Birkenhead, Wirral. Um, you've got um, St. Helens, Southport, obviously it's gorgeous. Um, there's loads of places around Liverpool that are really easy to get into the city as well. Mersey Rail is a really, I think it's constantly voted the best rail service in the UK. We have got enough hotel capacity in the city region, but have a little look around if you are struggling to get some accommodation in the city centre. And if, if you do go to the Wirral, you'll have the absolute pleasure, I'm sure, of getting the Mersey Ferry over to the city, um, the ferry terminal on our side of the, of the River Mersey as well, which will just be absolutely amazing. Well, there you go. There's a positive on that on that front, at least, isn't it? <laughs> I know I've kept you a little longer than than I originally promised, and I know you've got uh, Niagara Falls to get to. But one last <laughs> one for me. Um, give us one recommendation if you can try and narrow it down. I know you're very passionate about oh. Liverpool, but one single recommendation for for fans of the Eurovision Song Contest to do or to see or to eat or to drink or to even say oh. when they come to Liverpool next May. I know it's on the spot. I'll narrow it down to one though, because that'd be really unfair. Um, I mean, okay, very, very, very quickly. I mean, of course, um, I my, my home stomping ground is is sort of Stanley Street area, Victoria Street, which is sort of the Pride Quarter. Um, love Superstar Boudoir. Uh, <laughs> love, uh, well, I love all the bars basically around there. Um, what I would say as well, though, 
is that there's a really lovely um bustling sort of community going on in the Baltic Triangle, so the Baltic area of the city. Um very music, you know, sort of orientated as well and lots of independent. Uh, there's a lovely vibe and feel to it. So um there's just so much that you can do. When you do come here though, visit our museums. I, I know it sounds really obvious, but but do, you know, they're free. Um, and and we've got amazing. We've got you know, the slavery museum. We've got the Liverpool Museum itself. Um, just there's so many. The Walker Art Gallery. Um, please go and visit them and, and walk around because we, the architecture in the city just speaks for itself. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, and if you do want to spend out some money as well, uh, do the Live at Bird Three Sixty tour, um, because uh, you'll get an amazing view of the Yorra Village. Um, but also amazing view of the city from there as well. And now, now that I've mentioned them, I'm going to get into so much trouble. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, But yeah, just having the, have the most amazing time. We can't wait to welcome everyone uh, to our city. Well, since I put you on the spot, I think I'll let you get away with naming not just one. And I reckon everyone listening will let you get away with, <laughs> with missing some <laughs> out potentially. Harry, I know I took so much of your time there, but uh, thanks so much for joining us for a chat here on the podcast. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Euro Trip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. So now we know it's Liverpool, of course, who will be hosting next year's Eurovision Song Contest on behalf of Ukraine in May in 2023. We also know the date as well. I just said May. It's the 9th, the 11th and the 13th of May 2023. And if you're listening on the day of release, so uh, Sunday, the 9th of October, let's uh, mark the cards for you. It's 216 days to go until the grand final of Eurovision next year. And it sounds like a long time away, but you know as well as I know, or I know as well as you know it, (laughs) in fact, that that time will fly by. We've got loads to come between now and then. We've got Junior Eurovision, of course, in just a couple of months' time in Yerevan in Armenia. That's taking place in December. And then we've got national final season and then all of the pre-parties across Europe. So yeah, loads to come and we'll be covering all of that here on the Eurotrip. But I mentioned the date, the 9th, the 11th and the 13th of May. And I think it's very special. Maybe it's a coincidence. I, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I should have asked uh, Harry there that those are the exact same date as the Eurovision Song Contest in 2017, uh, which you will probably remember was uh, was taking place in Ukraine, taking place in Kiev. It was the last time Ukraine hosted. So it feels very special, if not just serendipitous, that uh, that we are going to share the same dates next year when the UK hosts on behalf of Ukraine. Very special indeed. But we should not forget the other six brilliant cities who threw their hat into the ring and were shortlisted. And of course, the other 13 cities who didn't make that initial shortlist. Glasgow, of course, was the the last city standing <laughs> alongside Liverpool when we got the, the final shortlist of two. So it was a, a head-to-head battle. If you were watching the, the one-show reveal on Friday night, you will, of course, see the, the split-screen view. It almost seemed like a grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest. When we're, when we're waiting for the, the final set of televote points to come through, we until we find out the, the eventual winner, didn't it? And on each side of the screen were fans in both Liverpool and in 
Glasgow. Uh, one of the fans on the Glasgow side was Elaine Scattermoon, who I'm sure you'll probably know if you're in the um, if you're on Twitter, you're in the Eurovision fandom on there. I'm sure you're going to know them. They are a huge Eurovision fan. They are from Scotland. You'll hear the accent in just a moment, and you you would have seen them bopping along maybe in the background with with excitement and maybe with some nerves as well. And Elaine is with me now. Hello, Elaine. Hello, hello. How are you? I've just introduced you um, as somebody who people may have seen on TV last night, sort of bopping away as we were waiting for the result to come in. Um, Give us an idea about what it was like in those few hours and few minutes before we were going to find out the, the result. It was so exciting in the hall. We had so many people there who were so passionate about Glasgow's bid and passionate about the city. Uh, both a lot of fans and some well-known faces. I was standing directly behind Lawrence Cheney, for example, who was <laughs> super, super infused for Glasgow. And we were all we were all a buzz. Um, and then when the result came in, we uh, we all looked a bit disappointed, but we all burst into applause. I don't think they showed that, but uh, although we were gutted, we you know we didn't throw a tantrum or anything. We just kind of accepted it and took the view that we'd done well to get second and that, you know, there's always next time. Absolutely. You got the Sam Ryder position anyway. You got second overall. That's that's surely a positive. Um, what was what was it like to find out that result? Because I think it's it wouldn't be wrong to say that Glasgow was seemed to be the overwhelming favourite ever since the BBC accepted the responsibility the responsibility to host. So what was it like when you heard Liverpool come out come out of Graham Norton's mouth? So I wasn't actually that surprised. Although Glasgow has, I think, always been the best venue on paper, Liverpool's campaign was just incredible. And although Glasgow had a pretty good start, the past few weeks has just been all about the momentum for Liverpool. Liverpool were sending out the most personalised, most passionate um, bid for Eurovision, talking about their links with Ukraine, having the mayor of Odessa record a video, and talking about you know their immigrant history, which shows just how good they are at welcoming the world. Whereas Glasgow, we were still stuck in the kind of phase phase of, oh, look at our good parks. We have, you know, we have a large venue and that's good. But at this point you needed something more. So these past few weeks, I just had this creeping feeling that we weren't going to get it. You must have been chatting to, to some other people who love Eurovision just as much as you do, who live in Glasgow, live in Scotland. I know there's a huge community up there. Have you been speaking to those since last night and finding out what their reactions have been like? Is it sort of on a similar level, do you think, to you? Oh, it's the mood up here is like a funeral today. Oh, is it? I that mean, bad? we're all we're all we're all happy. We're all happy for we're all happy for Liverpool, but a lot of the people I know have worked very hard to promote Glasgow's bid. Possibly harder than the city did themselves. Um which I guess you can see as part of the problem. But today it just feels like we've we've spent so long trying so hard and, and in the end it, it didn't even matter. Um, but as I was saying last night, before think you know, before the decision, knowing it could go either way, both cities have really shown their capability to put on a fantastic contest. So I've taken the view that it's not about who gets to hold Eurovision. It's simply about who gets to hold Eurovision first. That's a very good way of looking at it, because I think that's probably a positive to take away in the fact that it's not going to be the last time Eurovision is hosted in the UK. It will come back, and Glasgow put up a a, a very good effort. So there's positives to take away then, isn't there? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know... If the UK win again, and we've got we've got that partnership with TAP that seems to be working out so well. If the UK win again, then Glasgow is is definitely in the uh, in the leading leading seat for that. There's lots of possibilities in the future. Uh, it's just not this time, but that's okay because it's not even the UK's Eurovision; it's Ukraine's Eurovision. So, exactly, yeah, happy to 
Yeah, an important point that yeah. we we must obviously remember um, that it is Ukraine's Eurovision and we're holding it on their behalf. It will, of course, be in Liverpool. I'm going to chat to a fan from Liverpool very, very shortly. But from <laughs> you, Elaine, can we have a few words? Can you try and take your Glasgow hat off and pop a Liverpool one on for just a moment? A few words on what you think Liverpool will be able to do with the contest next year. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. Like the venue is on the docks just by the city centre. So it's going to be really vivacious. And and Liverpool is almost unique in having the seaside setting. You've got like the Mersey as the backdrop. And also, you know, it's a party city. It's a music city. It's a city with a strong sense of community. And it's just going to be so welcoming. People are just going to have an absolute blast like people are going to think that England's going to be you know stuffy and slightly xenophobic that's not true for Liverpool it's just going to be a huge party and I think I think the Liverpudlians the Scousers are going to do Ukraine so proud so you know it's not going to be Liverpool it's going to be Liverpool Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. I've not heard it yet. So wonderful. And uh, very quickly, I imagine you'll be there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll just have to get the train down. But that's fine because I, I get the train to Eurovision anyway. And it's, you know, it's closer than Lisbon was. So, well, exactly, exactly. Elaine, thank you so much for coming on for a chat. Really, really appreciate it. Commiserations, but um, there's still reason to celebrate. Thank you so much, Elaine. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. There goes Elaine, as I said there, commiserations to everybody in Glasgow. They, they clearly worked very hard to get down to the final two. And also a shout out to the other five cities, uh, of course, Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds, Sheffield and my home city of Newcastle. I know uh, firsthand how much work and effort and teamwork, collaboration went into all of the the other bids um, who shouldn't be forgotten. They, they put in a lot of hard work and should be recognised for, for all their work they put in to try and bring Eurovision to their cities instead. Now then, a little bit earlier, I said that we were going to have another special guest to bring you on today's episode. And that person is Steve Holden, a regular guest, of course, here on the Eurotrip. We love Steve. We know you do as well. And I gave him a call earlier on and said, Steve, are you free to pop on the Eurotrip for a chat? He said he'd love to, but he was very, very busy. He will explain in just a second why he's so busy and where he is. Uh, so we couldn't have a chat, but he was very kind to send us a voice note over. Uh, and this is what he had to say. Hi, James. It's Steve Holden here, the host of the official Eurovision Song Contest podcast. And I'm currently in... Berlin because I am traveling around Europe at the moment doing a bit of interrailing which is great and it is lovely and sunny in Berlin at the moment so I found out yesterday that it was Liverpool and I hosted a Twitter space for the Eurovision Song Contest which was great because it was getting reaction from fans Ryland popped on at one point what a love he is adore him um, but I think the overall feeling about it being given to Liverpool is that it's a city that has totally embraced wanting to have the contest. A lot of people on this Twitter space last night were mentioning uh, a similar feeling to when Liverpool won the European Capital of Culture back in 2008, I think it was, and what injection of enthusiasm that did for the city back then. And people were saying that they feel it might have the same effect. Obviously, I know a lot of people um, thought that it may have gone to Glasgow, and saw Liverpool as, as the underdog. But I think both cities put uh, on an incredible um, campaign, so to speak, and really fought for the right to, to host it. But Liverpool, with its rich cultural heritage, its amazing music scene, I know that, you know, the cliche is the Beatles, but think of everybody else who's from there. Mel C, Sporty Spice, uh, some Eurovision acts, Sonia, um, who it will be 30 years next year since she represented the UK with Better the Devil You Know. Gemini, I want their redemption story. I want their redemption arc. It'll be 20 years next year since they got Neil Poir. Maybe it's time that they came back together and embraced uh, Crybaby. Um, and Jenny Frost, member of Precious Anatomic Kitten. She's from uh, Wallasey in Merseyside. I just think it's going to be an incredible contest. Uh, the UK hosting on behalf of Ukraine. We're going to have this real 
mix of uh, Ukrainian culture and heritage with uh, Liverpudlians and Scouse and just everything brilliant that goes with Liverpool. I can't wait. I know loads of other people can't wait. And uh, yeah, see you there next May. See you next May indeed. And I imagine to a lot of you listening right now, we'll see you in May in Liverpool next year. Have you got your accommodation sorted? I know we were chatting to, to Harry a little bit earlier on about the hotel situation. Have you booked your hotel, your accommodation? Have you got your flight or or even just your trains? If you live in the UK, you're, you're in a very lucky position perhaps that you can just hop on a train. Uh, have you got it all sorted? I'd love to know. Let me know at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email for any longer messages as well. We, we always love to hear from you. Um, now, we had a little bit of perspective earlier on from a fan in Glasgow. Thanks to Elaine for popping on for a chat. And um, Steve mentioned just there, didn't he? He was um, hosting a, a Twitter space on the Eurovision Twitter account last night. And one of the people who joined in for a chat was a fan called Jamie McLaughlin. Now, he is a fan from Liverpool. And I'm right in saying that he's also a long-time listener to the podcast. So I thought it would only be fair for him to come on and sort of represent the views of the Liverpoolian fans. And he's joining me right now. Hiya, Jamie. Hello. What a pleasure to have somebody from Liverpool, a big Eurovision fan, here on the podcast with me today. Uh, First of all, uh, how's the head on Saturday? Because I imagine, were you out partying last night or did you have a bit of a quiet one? I'm ashamed to say that they may they may retract my Liverpool card actually because I should have been out like a good Liverpudlian uh, celebrating with a few a few uh, a few fizzy drinks uh, last <laughs> night. But um, tragically, I was scheduled to be at the gym with my trainer this morning and getting weighed. And they, that I thought, much as I'm delighted about uh, your vision, <laughs> the thought of all my hard work for the week going up to sit on the scales this morning. Though I did lose a kilogram, so there you go. It was weighed. <laughs> but um, I think I. I I'm going to postpone until Saturday night in town. You never know. That's, that's, I don't mind postponing over 24 hours. Yeah. That's yeah. a good idea. Well, fair play to the dedication to the gym anyway. I think that's a, <laughs> it's a positive at least. Um, I want to pull out one of your tweets from yesterday. This was just before the announcement. And I found a tweet from you and it said, I have been to the loo three times <laughs> since I got home half an hour ago. Does that just give us a bit of a sense about what the, the anticipation, the excitement and the nerves were like for, for people in Liverpool? I can only compare it to when I was watching Eurovision 1997 and I knew that we had a chance for Katrina and the Waves. And as the songs were getting into the 20s, because we were number 24, and so it was that was that sort of experience again. It was like waiting for that sort of moment. Obviously, I couldn't predict what was going to be in that envelope. So it was slightly different, but yeah, it was um, it was like waiting for an exam result, but you hadn't actually done any revision for it. So it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it, but it was, it was well worth it. It was, it was, um, nights like that don't come along very often yeah I think that's a good analogy actually where you're waiting for a result where you haven't done much homework or or much revision because I guess a lot of people in Liverpool and maybe across the UK weren't expecting that result really I think a lot of people thought Glasgow were the overwhelming favourites Especially if you looked at the bookies' odds right from right from the off, there was like a country mile in Glasgow and every other city on that list. And right and from the beginning, if I recall, Liverpool was about fourth or fifth. And I think the three big the big runners in the race were, I would say, Glasgow, Birmingham, and Manchester. If you went by the bookies' odds, so I mean, I was lucky enough to be asked to go on to breakfast uh, a few months back when they announced the longer shortlist. So when we made that shortlist, I thought, well. I remember in the uh, in the run up to 1998, Liverpool was out of the race relatively quickly. I think it was before they'd even made any sort of shortlist of. I don't think they even got a site visit. But back then we didn't have the arena and the complex that, that, that Eurovision is going to be in next year. That was all linked to the Capital of Culture celebrations ten years later. Um, so I thought, well, even getting on that list, that's a victory because we've, we've gone one step further. Whatever it was that pushed Liverpool over the line, I don't think they would have been that far ahead of Glasgow. 
but yeah, so hopefully they'll get their chance to to do to do it someday. I really hope they do. And also, I really hope Ukraine get the chance to do it again one day too. Hopefully, that that opportunity is not too far off, and the the hosting that they're owed, you could you could argue, comes their way soon. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing we always have to try and remember, isn't it? Over the next uh, what is it, seven months or so until May next year, that this is Liverpool hosting on behalf of Ukraine. Do you get a sense of that in in Liverpool this weekend? Then what's the what's the general mood like? Have you been out and about? Have you been chatting to some some mates and and whatnot? What's the general feel like? Lots of people who, because I, I I have a newspaper background, I used to work at Liverpool Echo up until three years ago, I was there for a very long time, and I d- tended to write the Eurovision stories, that was sort of like my, and they, they asked me to do a blog, I did a blog called Boom Banger Blog, it was linked to the Echo for a while. Um, so I've had lots of people who used to work with getting in touch, ask me a few questions and said, oh, I was thinking of you when we were printing the story <laughs> and stuff like that, that was lovely, and I thought, yeah, it's a strange time to think of the paper I used to work on, but... I've seen lots of people and a lot of people asking about tickets. So I did actually say to one person, said, if you can't get tickets for the final, don't with this. And I think this is where, as a Eurovision fan, this is where a bit of your wisdom collected over the years comes we, in. We come into our own, don't people, we? Yeah, don't worry if you can't get a ticket to the big final. If you go to the jury final, you get everything bar the boat in and you can just relax and watch it on the telly the next night. Um, so it, there's, there's, I have a feeling I'll be offering a few pearls of wisdom and I'm sure a lot of other UK-based fans will over the next few months. Tickets seem to be the thing that a lot of people are asking about now, which is only natural. How often does this land in your back garden? It's, yeah. it's, and you want, you're going to want to be part of it. What I think is really interesting is, is the culture company, Liverpool Culture, or Culture Liverpool, I should say, and they always have a way of thinking outside the box, I would say, mainly because of their experience, I think, the capital of culture. Things like the Superland Banana Trail, which just capture the city's imagination. If you don't know the Superland Banana, it's a very, it's an unusually shaped sculpture. It's got a banana for a tail and a lamb's head. It's been in Liverpool since the late 90s, and we've just fell in love with it very quickly. <laughs> it has become a bit of a symbol of the city. And during Capital Culture Year 2008, about 100 of these Superland Banana, smaller versions, all painted in different designs, were scattered about the place and you just went and sought them out. There's even one at, at Euston Station in London on the Liverpool platform. And that was like the ultimate one to get. It was like getting the really difficult shiny panini sticker and just getting that <laughs> super <laughs> banana station. So apart um, from the... So, okay. We're doing a Sonya version of that. Sorry, that, like, there's going to be a Sonya version of that. Oh, yeah, tremendous. So, so apart yeah. from that lamb banana trail, what uh, what should Eurovision fans come to expect from, from coming to Liverpool next May? What else can they get up to? Because, of course, as we say, it's not just the live shows in the arena, but they'll be wanting to get up to all sorts. So can you give us some early recommendations of what they can do in their downtime? Yes, well, there's lots of places to explore. And I think there's a, there's a little corner of Liverpool for every every enthusiast, really. Um, if you're, if you're, the Baltic Triangle is a really up-and-coming area of Liverpool, so it's not too far from the arena. It's, it's a bit, you go a bit further east, if I've got that direction wrong, I apologise. <laughs> um, it's it's basically a lot of the old warehouses for the docks. And in the, in the past 10 years, it's been taken over by new creative industries, new new bars. It's a very, like, it's like, I hate to use the word hipster, but that is where the hipster bit of Liverpool is. Um, there's, a, there's some really big venues opening there. Camp and Furnace uh, is a very popular venue, and they often have a night there called Bongo's Bingo, which I believe goes around the country. So that's a bit that that's that had a, a big start in Liverpool. Um, also, I live very close to Pit, just outside the city centre. So I'm about a, I'm about a ten minute bus ride outside the city centre where I'm speaking to you from now. I live by a place called Lark Lane. Um, if you're a fan of Doctor Who, it was even referenced there in the last when it was a Liverpool episode. <laughs> but that's a street, and I think it's the closest Liverpool gets. So maybe like Notting Hill or Camden, it's got that sort of vibe. It's a street basically of bars, restaurants, cafes. If you like that type of thing, uh, it's it's and in May, if you get good weather, it's a beautiful place to go. And it's right, and it leads up to Sefton Park, a huge park if you want to just take some downtime. It's a very popular spot for runners because it's shaped like a big kidney bean and you get lots of runners going around the perimeter of Sefton Park. It's a really, it's a very much like, uh, it's, I think it's a close Liverpool gets to, to maybe a spot in London is, very, is around that way. Also, uh, Concert Square is the place for all the big bars if you like a bit of dance music. Um, also, if you like more traditional pint, there's lots of traditional pubs in Liverpool. Probably the more famous one is the Philharmonic. Um, I mentioned this on uh, a, a, a conversation last night, but the Philharmonic is famous for being a very beautiful pub. It also has grade two listed toilets. Um, <laughs> they're made from a very rare form, very fair type of marble from Ireland. 
I think it's called Connemara. Forgive me if I've got that translation wrong, but um, they're famous and they actually do let people go in to have a look at the men's, even even not just men, even even like a female. Uh, they let they let groups of women go in and have a look if there's nobody in the toilet. <laughs> I believe Joe Rivers, the comedian, was doing a gig at the Philharmonic Hall over the road a few years back, and he let her go in and look at the gents' toilets. Um, <laughs> so there's all sorts of traditional drinking spots in Liverpool, and if you like music, there's always live music going on. It sounds like there's plenty of recommendations anyway. People aren't going to get bored when they come to Liverpool next May. Yeah, I want to think, and also what culture Liverpool has got planned for like this, this the, the statue is going to be adorned with Ukrainian hairdressers. I believe the volunteers' uniforms will, will reflect traditional Ukrainian design. I think what they've done is put Ukraine at the very centre of, of, of the bid, especially the things that can be controlled as part of the a part of the contest itself. Which yeah. is obviously the, the most important factor of this, we, we mustn't forget. Jamie, one last thing, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm sure you can come up with something for us. I want some local Liverpoolian lingo that people are going to have to get used to hearing when they come to Liverpool next May. We always try to do this um, on the podcast when we were speaking to guests in Turin earlier this year and in Rotterdam last year. We wanted some local lingo that we'll probably end up hearing every day when they come over so give me something that we'll have to get used to okay right i have to think now a lot of them have already been used on the twitter feed of the official they must have a scouser feeding them lines i think because <laughs> a lot of them i'm thinking of now have already been used by it but um if something if you think something's a bit unfair about ra just just place pronounce the letters r and a r a it almost just sounds like good, a noise <laughs> yeah, RA. if something is good it's sound or it's boss um, or to dead good. Um, yeah. I, do you know what? The minute we stop this conversation, I'll probably think of an absolute pearl. <laughs> Why didn't I say that? But yeah, but, but um, there's one There's one at the tip of my tongue that I can't think of it. This is, this is very annoying. Hey, yeah. we're going to have loads more podcast episodes between now and May. <laughs> we'll definitely have to get you back on, maybe on a weekly basis, and give us some more local Liverpoolian lingo. So I'm sure we can pencil that in. Oh, do you know what? I've got so many Liverpool-linked Eurovision uh, memories. So yeah, the, uh, over my time as a journalist, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I, if you deserve to be bored, rigid with them. I don't know. Oh, I'm dying to hear them. I don't know about the listeners, but I definitely am. Oh, Jamie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for for joining us today here on the podcast, and well done again to to Liverpool. Congratulations. And also commiserations at Newcastle. I know you were involved in that bit as well, so commiserations in Newcastle. But hopefully, we'll do every every city that bit was on the shortlist. Hopefully, we'll do you all proud of what happens in May. Awesome. Cheers, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there we have it. We've come to the end of this very special episode of the Eurotrip. We promised we'd bring you reaction to the host city announcement. Uh, So we brought you some voices from Liverpool, a voice from Glasgow, and, and Rob did pop on for a little bit, and thanks to thanks to everybody who did so, and of course Steve for, for sending in that uh, voice note from his travels interrailing across Europe, and of course a big thanks to you for tuning in and joining me, it's, a, it's been a pleasure to have your company, given I've been doing this alone, without Rob, who I promise will be back with you, and back alongside me for the next episode of the Eurotrip that'll be coming up over the next few weeks and we've got loads planned between now and May next year of course we've got junior Eurovision to come that'll keep us entertained uh, during December then national final season Uh, Melfest will be kicking off maybe Melfest Monday will be coming back So we'll have all the biggest and smallest and some of the in-between Eurovision coverage covered here on the Eurotrip between now and the 13th of May, the grand final of Eurovision 2023. So to keep up to date with everything we are doing, don't forget you can follow us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can get in touch via email as well. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com and make sure you leave us a review, rate us five stars and, oh my goodness, I've forgotten the outro for the first ever time. What do I always say? Rate us five stars, leave us a review and subscribe. That's the other one. Make sure you go and do all of those three. And until we speak to you again, it's goodbye from me.